Welcome everyone to a Short White Coat Syndrome, a PA student podcast. I'm your host, David Cooper, and I'm here with my co-host, Dee Scambato. Hi. And uh, we're just going to be talking about some uh, study habits and time in the didactic classroom. As always, uh, this podcast is for people interested in the PA profession who are either current PAs, pre-PAs, or PA students. Uh, Anybody else is totally welcome to join as well. So I think a funny way to start out with uh, with this discussion is just a little moment of telling me you're in didactic moment without actually telling me you're in didactic here. I definitely have a lot of those. Uh, I think the times where I kind of laugh at myself the most is when I switch from my iPad to paper and I start scrolling on the piece of paper as if it's my iPad. Um, that's when I know I'm just absolutely burnt out and I just take a minute <laughs> to laugh at myself. What about you? Yeah, so for me, I think uh, one of the big uh, big things was uh, I kind of uh, tend to be more productive in the late hours of the day, and uh, there was a, definitely a few occasions, one that I distinctly remember I was studying for, I want to say it was a pediatric orthopedics exam, and uh, it was a rough week, but by the end of it, I was up very late for this exam, and we got to a point where uh, I started hearing birds chirp. And I knew I need to go to bed. And, uh, yeah, it was a late night or morning, whatever you want to call oh, that. Geez. So, See, I'm the yeah. opposite. I like the morning more. Yeah, I, I'm starting to grow to like it, especially in my surgery rotation. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, to me, anything before 8 is kind of an ungodly hour. But I'm starting mm-hmm. to get used to that. So, But um, I, think w- I think with that, we can, we can kind of talk a little bit more about what – What's changed about your study habits? Obviously, mine have changed, and maybe I'm not always the best student to, to model after for studying, but what, what, what things have changed for you since your undergraduate experience going into PA school? Yeah, I mean, so to preface this, Dave came in as a traditional applicant, so he had a little bit of time off before starting PA school. I started about a week after my undergrad, so you'd think maybe not a lot would have changed since my undergrad experience, but... Honestly, the way that I've studied, I've probably had to remodel it about 20 times already in the short seven months that I've been in PA school. Um, In undergrad, I was very much so like the, you know, study until you memorize everything verbatim type. And that just doesn't really fly in PA school. And I learned that very quickly. Um, You just have so much material coming at you like that fire hose idea that you know, you you just have to kind of understand the broad concepts that you can carry with you into clinical practice and apply, I think. And that's something that I kind of learned a little bit the hard way, but definitely you kind of catch on to it after your first month or so. Yeah, I think you touched on a good point there with the adaptability. There was definitely a lot of times where I found myself switching from one study method to another until I found something that worked for me. And then when it started to work for me, it wouldn't work for other classes. So Mm -hmm. you're always kind of transitioning into that. For me, I kind of had a little bit of a different experience with my undergrad. I definitely struggled at the beginning of my undergraduate experience, actually. Uh, I didn't didn't perform well in a lot of my classes, and it got to a point where I was struggling a lot in certain classes, and I didn't know why. And I reached out to a professor at my time in undergrad, and 
that's something I would encourage students that are maybe pre-PA that might be struggling academically is to to reach out to somebody that you can maybe trust or somebody to help. I think that's the a huge big step that you can you can make in the right direction is having that sense of humility to know when when I need help and I can't always do it on my own. For me, I I tried to put things in my own hands and it wasn't working out. And so I reached out to a professor of mine who sat down with me and kind of had a look at what my study habits were. And I, I, I learned a lot of great things from that moment. And actually that was transformational in my didactic year, or not didactic year, but my undergraduate experience because it shaped how I studied, it shaped how I managed time. It overall it shaped the type of student I was. And I started developing habits that were habits that I still use today. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the the details and the topics and kind of some some management strategies uh, later on in this episode. But I, w- I would definitely encourage that as well. Um, but I think Dee definitely had some good points with just switching around on topics. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I think a lot of students struggle with is trying to find times to study and when and how. What would you kind of say about that? Yeah, so I think it all kind of starts when you're in the class. For me, I write my Quizlets while I'm in class to kind of write down some of the pearls that the professor might say it might not include in the actual PowerPoint. Um, But honestly, it's a little bit of a mess at times in terms (laughs) of when I study. Um, I think any PA student can kind of relate to that. But really, I start by making my Quizlets, writing my Quizlets, and then from there, I don't write everything down word for word, but I kind of try my best to condense the material as best I can. And I do that kind of in the time after that class, within probably about a week after. Um, I try not to memorize too many things because I know that I'll forget them two weeks down the line. So I kind of start by writing that Quizlet. That kind of cements things in my mind a little bit. And then I'll revisit it kind of the week before. And that's something else that I think is important to talk about is the idea of cramming Mm -hmm. and while we don't really want to cram I feel like PA school doesn't really give us much of a choice at times Um, I know personally if I started studying things a little bit too early I feel like I just wouldn't be able to keep it all in my brain at one time so I end up cramming a lot more than I'd like to oh my gosh yeah I I think cramming is like the the way to get by sometimes in PA school unfortunately I wish we had more time to study for things at Mm -hmm. times I, I think that's just the nature of of PA school. Yeah, I mean, it's one year to learn medicine and surgery. So, I mean, you don't really have much of a choice at times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like that. Like I said, there's times where I'm up till five in the morning studying, but you, you at the end of the day need to realize what works for you. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what can you do to get the job done? What can you do to, to like, not just pass in these classes, but also thrive and learn and get something meaningful out of it so that you can use this for the rest of your life and your practice. Um, there's some there's some tips that uh, we were discussing prior to this podcast just about studying and things to increase your pro- productivity. One that I think is commonly used or I've heard about is the Pomodoro method. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Dee? Yeah. So the I'm not exactly an expert. I'm not an expert in any kind <laughs> of study She got her PhD methods. in Pomodoro <laughs> method. <laughs> um, but the idea is that it's 25 minutes of studying followed by five minutes of, you know, taking a break and doing something a little bit more enjoyable. Um, I feel like as a PA student, it's not always possible to go 25 minutes and take a break. Sometimes you're in that grind, you're in that zone, and it's just better off for you to just keep going. Um, and I think naturally we all kind of start doing that, especially when we're burnt out, just like 
you can only handle things for so long until you just need to take that natural break. So I feel like for me, it's kind of um, a DIY Pomodoro method where I kind of, which I mean, Dave kind of coined that term, but I'll steal it for him for now. Um, But I think I kind of started to do that, especially now that I'm burnt out. It's our finals week at the end of the semester. I kind of, you know, I can't study the same thing over and over again and keep that in my mind without taking that little bit of a break. Yeah, and I think to to add to that, the the DIY idea is especially going at your own pace and when you feel like you're going to start burning out. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on that as well in this, this episode of what those signs kind of look like. But for me, I if I were to just stick to the Pomodoro method, it would end up being a reverse Pomodoro where I study for five minutes and then watch <laughs> Netflix for 25 and repeat. Um, some people do that and they probably will never get mm-hmm. as much as they wanted to accomplish done. But for for general productivity i think that it can be helpful because it it spaces out your breaks in a way that you can you can say all right i only have to study for 25 minutes and then i can get a five minute break Mm -hmm. maybe you get into that 25 minutes and then you you don't need to take that break after all because you're in a zone and so that's that's kind of my thought on that Mm -hmm. um another thing that i found helpful for me to increase my productivity is something i call the two minute rule this was something that was told to me before and it's if you have like tasks that take two minutes or less to just do them, get them out of the way and start kind of getting the ball rolling with being productive. So, for example, if you have a few dishes and you're like, oh, I don't want to do the dishes. And then like you you're kind of prolonging your studying, you're prolonging everything because you don't want to do this one two minute task. It's going to take less than two minutes. Just get it done. Get it out of the way. Check that box and move on to something else. You know, moving on to folding your laundry, that will take, spend two minutes doing that and going on to something else. So it kind of is a way for me to kind of check things off of my list of little tasks, menial tasks that I need to take care of, but don't always want to do. And if I just remind myself, this is going to take me about two minutes or less, then I'm more motivated to just do it and get it done and get it out of the way because then I end up letting the dishes pile up flies come maggots it's not a fun time oh gosh yeah it's better to do the sprint than the marathon i think yeah yeah yeah, exactly i think that's one of those cases where it's it's good to be maybe the usain bolt at doing your dishes but (laughs) (laughs) so um if you're drinking from a fire hose how do you like make sure you get every drop d i think that's a very pa-esque question yeah um i don't think it's possible to get every drop to be honest with you um but I think it's more important to garner a knowledge base that kind of will be helpful for you in a clinical setting. So if you keep that in mind and keep that focus of what can I learn to help my future patients, like it might not be memorizing, um, you know, all the little things about a metabolic disorder, but if you can understand the mechanism and how I can reverse that or how I can help my patient through that, I think that's the overall goal. And you could remember some of the smaller details if you want to for the test, but overall I think what sticks is, or what you want to stick should be the things that are ultimately gonna help you in, a, in the clinical setting and are gonna be you know, utilized for your patients. Mm. And, and I might wanna add just to, to that too, that the big, the big deal here is to get what you can out of it by m- learning the big concepts and learning how things work. If you know how a mechanism works, then a lot of other things can help fall into place, right? So if you if you know that something might have so and so like side effects, memorizing those might be a lot harder than knowing 
this works on this pathway, which you know causes these sort of things. Mm -hmm. So if that's inhibited or uh, agonized, I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. it is now. Yeah, no, I know what you um, mean. Then it's going to be ramped up, right? Yeah. So, so that's the sort of thing I'm, I'm kind of getting at with knowing the big concepts. So those big concepts for me really help me spiderweb my thoughts so I can be like, oh, that makes more sense why this patient presents with this on physical exam because this is going on in their mechanism. This is why they have... For example, on my last rotation, I was learning about Colin and Gray Turner sign, which for the listeners that might not know what that is, it's kind of just this like bruising sign on your abdomen that could be suggestive of pancreatitis. And that's because the enzymes from the pancreas are breaking down tissue and it's revealing this type of bruising image uh, on, on physical exam. So knowing now that mechanism kind of helps me remember that concept even more and it reinforces things. So... I, I would say that that can be a very, very helpful thing when trying to cram for a lot of things. It's just knowing the big, important details mm-hmm. out of it more than anything else. Um, well, when we talk about uh, studying as well, what, do you like to do anything when you study? Do you listen to music? Do you watch TV in the background? Do you go to a library? Do you need it silent? What do you What do you do? I am kind of a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's classical music. Lately, it's been a lot of Christmas music, to be honest. Um, I also kind of get hyped up when I'm listening to music that I can sing along to a little bit. So sometimes I'll sing along while I'm studying and mm. makes my family very unhappy. But um, for me, it kind of works because I'm a little bit of a kinesthetic learner. So if I'm, you know, able to move around a little bit, it's always a win for me. And I'm also a little bit of a verbal learner, too. I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, but mm-hmm. I like to talk things out. And when I'm like pretending that I'm teaching myself and talking out loud, I feel like it kind of gets retained a little bit better for me. So a little bit of a mix. Yeah, that's that's actually a big thing. Uh, I I will not be singing Mariah Carey when I study. (laughs) I do occasionally if I need some motivation, will like listen to uh, non-lyrical music because that will just be a disaster if I listen to something with lyrics. But the like movie scores or you know just very calm classical mm-hmm. piano things like that can really can really help you focus if you're kind of in a rut and I, I think that brings up a great point too on how individualized these study habits are and you know kind of how trivial it is to try and compare yours to someone else's you can kind of mm-hmm. dig yourself into a really deep hole if you're comparing how you study to how someone else studies because it's just you know it's so personal and it's just not going to get you anywhere to try and compare those things yeah that's a that's actually a great point because it was told to me too that it doesn't matter it's easy to compare to your classmates like oh they studied for eight hours today i only studied for three i'm so far behind them Mm -hmm. but what type of eight hours of studying did they put in were they watching you know netflix the whole time while they're studying and just looking up from their their screen once in a while what, or were they actually putting in eight hours of really solid hard work? Mm-hmm. Because I might argue that that person that studied three hours might have been more productive with their time. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, do, did you use, like, any study groups? Have you used those, or is that um, your jam, too? Or? I like to study on my own, especially at first, until I kind of have a, a good range of the knowledge and I feel like I can understand it a little bit. Kind of towards the end of my studying, that's when I kind of, get together with maybe one or two at most people to just quiz each other a lot um but I really can't study with other people until I know things because I just kind of panic I'm like how am I ever going to know this amount that they know and you know it's a comparison game again yeah um so I think once I know what I feel like confident in then I'm able to get into a group and then 
we just kind of pimp each other back and forth yeah no that's a that's something i have some fond memories of doing is like maybe even hours before the exam which i maybe not recommend always to every student if, mm-hmm. especially if they're anxiety prone uh would i would just like talk through some quick things or pimp my my friends on questions and then they would pimp me and i'd be like oh shoot i didn't know that but then it ends up coming on the exam and i was mm-hmm. just pimped on it by my friend i'm like thank you you saved yeah, me on that that's the best feeling I <laughs> oh think. my gosh yeah it's like we just talked about that so uh it was really funny because before the pack rat which is like i practice um uh, pants exam that you you take uh we i like pimp my friends on like the hepatitis b antibodies and antigens like oh, literally gosh. 10 minutes before it and it came on the pack rat three times so i like oh sounded like i was like a legend or something they for must it. love you <laughs> i've always and maybe this is just a little pearl to take away i've always been told that that is always on the pants so if you study that you're at least guaranteed a point maybe maybe Nice. (laughs) so keep that in mind but um for me i i studied in groups a lot more because i I thought it was productive for me to keep me on track somebody could keep me more focused and accountable i could talk through concepts with them i would say that i would try to limit group group work into two or three people no more than three because at that point it gets too distracting Mm -hmm. and you can really deviate from what your goal is and things like that so I, I definitely would recommend if you're going to study with somebody, study with somebody that has a similar sort of uh, style as you of wanting to either talk through notes or maybe wants to quiz you on a lot of questions or whatnot and just kind of work as a team getting through material because that can be really helpful. And I think something really interesting that my class did was someone had started uh, kind of like this sheet that you can fill out if you're interested in studying in groups that kind of, you know, talked about how many people you want in your group like what kind of studier are you and that just kind of helped you cement the kind of people that you want to work with and then you kind of get two or three people from that Um, and you could choose to study with those people as much or as little as you want but I think that was really helpful to kind of I still study with the person that I was suggested so Mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful for me yeah yeah no actually that happened last last class with us too and I I know multiple people that signed up for it that are still studying with those people to this point, which is really great. And I, th- I think that's a really awesome thing to have. So I would look into that if your programs have that a- at all or anything like that too. Um, when you're in the classroom, do you, I know you were talking about using Quizlets as well. A lot of people look into technology to buy or notebooks or like, how do you take your notes? Like, do you take notes really? Or no, (laughs) (laughs) I professors don't want to hear that one. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Um, I, sorry about that. I used to be the type of person to write down everything that was said in class. Um, honestly, what is in the PowerPoint, at least for Quinnipiac is pretty much the basis for what you need to know. And if there is something that's important, it's usually emphasized. So I write down those points that I think are going to be emphasized in my quizlet, um, other people I know use their iPads and iPencils or iPencils, whatever you call those things. Um, and they're going there. They usually just try to like highlight the things as they're going along. Um, but I kind of stick to the Quizlet. I kind of started off with my iPad, but I've been deviating from that a little bit more and more. Um, and I think that just goes to show how much you can change your study habits and your note taking throughout PA school and it'll still be okay. Mm hmm. I could not imagine going through didactic without an iPad, to be honest with you. I got one very reluctantly. The The thing was, like, I'm a little bit of a kinesthetic learner as well in mm-hmm. that I need to write stuff down. 
I realized that that is just not feasible to just get a notebook and really scribble a bunch of stuff down when you have tons of PowerPoint slides uh, to get through a day, sometimes hundreds of slides to get through in one lecture. So for me, I love the idea of having your slides just right there and then putting like a paper type cover, which is what I did as I put a cover on mm -hmm. it that felt like paper when I was writing with my Apple pencil and I would just take my notes over it. And it gave me a close enough experience to writing on paper that it helped that aspect of my learning. But also, it's a very, like, I use Notability. Uh, I'm not sponsored, but if they <laughs> want to sponsor me, I'm always all ears for that. Same with you, Apple, please. Um, I'm all ears for, for any sponsorships with that. Um, but I would, like, take uh, the Notability app. And, for example, if at this point in my learning, since I'm in my second year, I'm not in the classroom all the time. So there's certain concepts that might have been lectured on that I want to look back at that was explained better there than maybe update eight could tell me. So I can just search in my notability, my notes that I had for that. And I can find my own handwritten notes. I can find all the lecture notes. It's a lot easier than fumbling through a bunch of papers. So I, I think it's a really great resource. There's mm -hmm. a lot of good YouTube videos out there. Uh, one of the YouTubers I follow that has a lot of good productivity stuff as well. His name's Ali Abdal. Uh, he's he was a junior doctor in um, over uh, in the UK, and he has a ton of great videos on productivity as well as using the iPad. We can definitely send uh, links out for that um, on our on our podcast description as well. And I think that brings up a great point of what kind of resources do you use in PA school? Um, I'm kind of someone who's just really by the PowerPoint, I guess. I just, I really like to stick to things because they kind of stick in my head better when I know what part of the page they came from, you know, what slide in the PowerPoint they came from. Maybe not necessarily like, oh, that's from slide 46, but like if I can picture it in my mind, I think that's a little bit better. But I know some people in my class have gone to Pants Prep Pearls and looked things up in books before. To me, like, that's just not how I roll, I guess. Um, I know some people have used osmosis and have kind of gone a little bit deeper than maybe some of our classes have gone, but that kind of helps them to understand some of the mechanisms. Do you have any tips in terms of um, like the resources that could be used? Yeah, there is so many resources out there, almost too many, where you get to a point where you can get overwhelmed by the amount of resources that are out there. So I would recommend the ones that work for you and stick with that. Don't try to like branch out to 15 other things. I, I think that this specifically is more relevant even to the clinical year when you have 17 companies trying to fight for this, these question banks. So, uh, you know, for, for us, our program was not kind enough to provide us with Roche Review, which is a great resource for clinical year. And it has a lot of great question bank type things. I always think that practice exams and practice questions is one of the best ways you can utilize your studying because it's really being pimped in a test form. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a super helpful thing. During didactic year, it's really hard because every PA program has a different didactic schedule, different didactic lessons, different exams. So it's harder to create a test bank that will utilize that perfectly for you. I know Quizlet lets you kind of do that with the flashcards you make. You can kind of make quizzes out of the, the flashcards you have. Mm -hmm. I don't personally use Quizlet. I know you use it a lot. Do you yeah. do you use that feature at all? Or? I more so just use the flashcards. Yeah. I've heard that Anki is a bit more intuitive in terms mm -hmm. of your learning, but you know, I just haven't gotten the chance to learn how to use it yet, yeah. which I heard is kind of a thing you have to do with Anki. Yeah. I So I use Anki. That's kind of one of the biggest things for me. I, 
I'm kind of in the minority here with that because it's it's a, very popular in medical school, but for PA school you're cramming a lot, and and unfortunately, but you you kind of uh, it's a spaced repetition sort of way of learning. So, for example, if you get a flashcard and it comes up that you can either create them or you can find pre-made ones out there same as quizlet you can even import ones from quizlet on anki which is really great uh, and it can give you these space rep the space repetition which is great because we have a we have a forgetting curve we forget things over time i'm not going to remember the same materials that i did five months ago mm-hmm. that i do today unless i keep up with it and this is a really great um thing at doing that and this app is really great because it just kind of uses this forgetting curve and utilizes it for your own personal self. So when you start forgetting information, it kind of brings those cards back up to the front for you. And you kind of space it out over time. So initially it's gonna be like, oh, 10 minutes. So you get this card 10 minutes later. Once you feel good about it, I'll give it to you tomorrow. Then you get it tomorrow. If you feel good about it, it'll give it to you in three days. It'll give you to it in two days, so on and so forth. So I feel like it's a great resource to utilize. I, I think it's even more applicable during the clinical year when you have more time because you only have one end of rotation exam really to prepare for so mm-hmm. you can kind of prepare for your old stuff as well and as you kind of keep up with it the the amount of work to put in for reviewing your old concepts is less time so um that that is one really great resource i found um there's a lot of question banks out there honestly you could do a whole episode on that too um did you use any other resources though like did you use books at all <laughs> Does anybody use books? I feel anymore? like I'm obligated to say yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, I I feel like I just don't have as much time as I'd like to to flip through books. And mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm gonna definitely try to get into a little bit more of a groove in terms of reviewing past stuff over the little winter break that we get. Um, but I really haven't used that many outside resources. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you there. There's very few books I've really gone into reading. I know some students love them. They use them. It's great for me to reference if I need to find a concept. And it's perfect for me with, with studying anatomy because I need the visuals for that. Mm-hmm. But when it, I think the only book really I can say that I definitively used as like the Bible for a while for for didactic year was actually the Dubin's EKG book. I was book. just going to say. I thought that yeah. book was fantastically written. I, we were required to read it as uh, the traditional students had to read it before coming into the program. So I read it thoroughly and I had no idea what EKGs really mm-hmm. were by that point. But it like gave me enough of a background to understand it a little bit. And then our EKG yeah. course on top of that was like a second exposure. And then I just yeah. still And it breaks still it down so it. well too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dubin wasn't a great guy, but his book was great. Let's just put it that way. So oh. we, w- we won't get into all those details, but, you know, it, it's a it's a fantastic resource for EKGs if you're if you're looking for something there, too. So I guess another good question is how do you stay organized? I know you mentioned that you kind of got into a groove when you were an undergrad. Have you kept using that? Yeah, there's a few tools that were taught to me about organization in general one of the biggest ones for me is a day planner um i'm a little (laughs) bit old school with that some people use their phones or tablets whatever uh, to kind of keep them updated but for me it was a written day planner and i'm a little uh dare i say even anal about it because i have it to the hour Uh, (laughs) so i have one of those hourly day planners that starts at like seven in the morning which now is way too late in the day for me um during my surgery rotation but I have these things and it goes hour by hour and so I can write down in there from seven o'clock till five o'clock I'm going to be in surgery 
and then after that I'm going to plan to do uh, go for a run that'll be 30 minutes mm-hmm. I plan for a shower in there I plan for you know my like I try to plan every detail out and it, I never really fully fulfill that and that's not a lot of people's style that's just mine but yeah. it, it helps me keep on task and focused and moving forward and that was one of the hugest uh, or like the biggest thing for me that was modeled in my undergrad because during that meeting this professor was like so how do you know what things are due and I was like uh I don't know. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants, mm-hmm. really. And that really got my life organized in, in that yeah. sense. I knew when things were due now. I know what I have going on today. I know I had this podcast to show up to. I know mm-hmm. I have other events and things going on. I know I have other uh, tasks due throughout the week. And I know it kind of keeps my life organized in that sense. But uh, another thing that I don't commonly use very much anymore, like by writing it out, but maybe in my head more so, is something called an Eisenhower box. And this was modeled to me as well. This is a, just uh, take any box and like just kind of put a cross through the middle of it. And on the top left is like do now. So this is like your tasks that are due tomorrow or whatever. So this could be an exam you have tomorrow. You need to study for it. So that's do now. Decide is like you have a task that's like, oh, maybe I could do this now, but I could also do it a little bit later. So that's like maybe you have a project due later in the week, but you also have this exam. So which one do you prioritize? Obviously, the exam if you feel less prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And then you have delegate, which are tasks that you can pass on to other people. And so like I, I would make, uh, you know, Brett do all my homework or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, like I would I would assign, you know, <laughs> like it sounds kind of kind of bad, but I love my parents. And so they, you know, like when I would come back to visit them, so I I'd have to get a flight across the country for, uh, to go see them. They they could help me find a cheap flight because I didn't always have the time to just mm-hmm. scour the internet looking for cheap flights. So I could kind of delegate that task to them. And then delete are things that you just don't have time for or can just delete out of your schedule. So one of those things for me is like video games or PlayStation. Like mm-hmm. I wish I could do that every day, but sometimes yeah. I just have to delete that out and be like, all right, unfortunately I can't do this because I have these other things to complete or take care of right now. So... Um, I, I, do you have anything else like that you found that helped keep you organized? Um, I feel like I look organized, but I'm complete chaos under the surface. Um, I have a list of things just written on a notepad that I need to get done that week. And then I just kind of cross them out as I go through. I'm a little bit different though, cause I, I'm very type A. Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of get things done as soon as they're given to me and I try my best like to get it done mm-hmm. as quick as possible. And then I kind of have a li- little bit more leeway in my schedule. So I think it kind of works out that way. But I really admire that you're on top of your game that much. That's crazy. <laughs> I would I would not say I'm on top of my game, but I appreciate <laughs> that. That comes a l- that, that means a lot coming from you. Um, in terms of like, though, I think you get to a point where you do realize I can't always be productive. How do you know when you need to like take a break or calm down or, or just relax a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I think there comes a point where you just can't retain anything. And mm-hmm. I think you had mentioned this before we started that sometimes you get to the point where you're looking at your Anki cards and you just mm-hmm. keep missing the same one over and over again. And I think it's kind of similar for me as well. I just kind of hit a brick wall in terms of my studying and I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to go on a run. And I feel like, honestly, self-care could be its own episode in and of itself because it's just so important in PA school where the work-life balance is a little bit more towards one side towards the other, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think when you get to that frustration or that breaking point where you're like, ah, I just can't, I'm sick of looking at this card. I keep missing the same thing or just stuff is not sticking or quite frankly, your, your brain just feels like scrambled eggs. Like, you, you know, you need to just kind of take a breather, go for a walk. What, what are other things that you do to like cope with that? Yeah, I think spending time with friends and family, like not PA friends, because <laughs> I feel like I don't want to talk more medicine with them, but spending time with people that don't know what's going on in my life, going on runs, you know, just taking care of yourself ultimately, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I would, I would agree. I know some people that use cooking as a way of like therapy for themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you guys are interested in an uh, episode on more self care, you feel free to email us about that as well. I'll have all the emails and links posted later on and on the episode, and also we'll talk about that too. But um, I think this is a good way to transition in the last part, right? So you, you mm -hmm. do all this preparation, you try to take care of yourself when you can. You study, you try to be organized, you try to get all your ducks in a row, test day comes. W walk me through like a typical de test day for D. Like how do, how do you handle yeah. it? What do you do? And like a lot of people, I, I, would, I would say there's a lot on the line for us. You mm -hmm. know, every, every exam means something. And I think with that comes some anxiety. Some people experience more of that than others. How, how, do, we, how do you go about that? I watch a dog video about 30 <laughs> minutes before the exam. And I feel like that just puts me in the perfect headspace because I go into the test with a blank mind, ready to, you know, do what I've prepared for for so long. And I mean, honestly, on test day, I feel like this is TMI, but PA school is like the best laxative ever. <laughs> like this is just way too TMI for a podcast. I'm so sorry, but I we can like edit that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I get very anxious before tests in terms of maybe I'm not even looking like it outwardly but definitely internally I mean I'm pretty nervous so I kind of try my best to distract myself a little bit from that and do something that I find enjoyable watch cute puppies or whatever um, and then that kind of puts me in a better headspace for the test so I I would say an hour to 30 minutes before the test do nothing um, because you're just gonna psych yourself out for it I think if you just keep studying Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets to the point where you're so anxious for the exam that the studying that you do is not productive or going to retain much. I I definitely had uh, some unique and hard learning moments where I had to approach my uh, taking exams, especially with test anxiety. Fortunately, one time from staying up too late, and this is a note for a lot of people, I did end up sleeping through part of one of my exams in didactic year, oh, no. which is an absolute nightmare. And I, I'm sure I won't be the first or last to do that, but it taught me to make sure to get a good night's rest before the exam because waking up to yeah. a very frazzled self and just kind of in a brain fog and stressed out on top of that mm -hmm. was, was kind of a nightmare scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think to be able to like, I, one thing I will say about Quinnipiac is that we get so many exams that by this point, I'm kind of numb to them. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of lucky in that sense where I just am like, ah, it's just another exam. It's not really yeah. like it is a big deal, but it isn't like I got to the point now where I, I do try to take care of myself even. Well, especially for these end of rotation exams, like the day before, it's a very light studying day for me. Like I will study, but I'm not going to go. 100% pedal to the metal until four in the morning yeah. for my for my end of rotation exam. I'm gonna review my stuff, make sure I get a good night's sleep, and enjoy my enjoy my night really because 
at that point you've done as much studying and preparation as you can. And something that was told to me always before every single anatomy exam in my undergrad was that this is just one grade. It does not define the person you are. It does not define the student you are. And it will definitely not define the provider you are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to withhold that, you know, or to, yeah. to not withhold that, but to, to hold that true to your heart in, in the sense that we got into medicine because we have intentions of caring for people and we have intentions to be a provider that wants to to better the lives of patients around them. And one score should not change that. I'm, I know the pants is a huge exam and we can do a full episode on that later on as mm-hmm. well. But for for all intensive purposes during the didactic year, one score does not make or break who you are as a person or a student. Yeah. And so. I think that's really important. You know, it's not the grade that you're shooting for. It's, you know, the patient care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that was that was so good. Uh, that was a great conversation yeah, about so so great about studying and uh, everything else. So, uh, with that, I think we're just going to wrap things up here. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Short White Coat Syndrome. Also, feel free if you have any topics, suggestions, questions, comments, or concerns, uh, feel free to email us at shortwhitecoatsyndrome at gmail.com. And this is a production of the Quinnipiac Podcast Studio. Remember to keep breathing. Keep breathing.